With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Or is the deal done anyway? We shall uh, talk to Mark about that. Um, in the first hour also, we shall give you the opportunity to call in your thoughts on that uh, all-black side uh, and anything else that uh, takes your fancy about what's happening. You might uh, want to make a comment on uh, Ross Taylor's book, if you've read it already or if you intend uh, reading it, and the revelations of uh, some racism within the group. Uh, also uh, over the incident uh, involving his uh, loss of captaincy. And uh, on that theme, we're going to, uh, just after 10 o'clock, speak to Laura McGoldrick. Of course, uh, we all know Laura. Laura's a Sky Sport presenter. She's also a radio host. Uh, and she's also, of course, the wife of Martin Guptill. Uh, and she's also the lady who yesterday uh, interviewed Ross Taylor about his book and uh, found out some of those revelations. So we'll talk to Laura about that and how she senses post-cricket Ross Taylor. She knows him very well. The panel this morning will be uh, Brad Lewis and Jim Kayes, um, and uh, that'll take us through to uh, around about to 10 to 11. Uh, we'll be talking to Louis Herman Watt and Pip Morris about the weekend's racing. Uh, just after 11 o'clock, there is a Shield Challenge tonight. Yes, there is. Hawks Bay have to defend, if they can, against uh, County's Monaco. So Rion Graham is their director of rugby. We'll have a chat with uh, Rion about what, what's happening in County's Monaco area and their chances. Looking forward to tonight. Justin Evans is the racing commentator. He's also our Greyhound Racing interview just uh, after 11.20 this morning. We'll have a stump smithy going into the uh, weekend, of course. We've got 100 bucks up for grabs, I believe. I think I won yesterday. And Greg O'Connor... Greg O'Connor will be uh, our trots talk before midday as well, and then we'll hand over to Sammy Hewitt. But let's get into the show. Mark Hinton's waiting for us. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy Sermon. So, is this a career-defining weekend for the all-black hierarchy, or is it already done and dusted? Just say, just say Ian Foster's uh, supposed last hurrah turns out to be an all-black performance to be proud of. What then? Make no mistake, it could be. In some areas, the individual brilliance is there. We've seen it. Flashes every now and then, even in losing test matches. And just say this selected bunch of forwards can find at least parity, a platform for Moonga and co to work from. Just say. What then? Well, whatever plays its course on Ellis Park, there needs to be some clear and concise direction shown by New Zealand rugby off the field. They have to find a senior statesman and a spokesman, someone with respect come Sunday or even Monday morning who stands up and says, this is how it is, this is who it is, and this is how it's going to be to head to the next year's World Cup. And then hope they can find a suitable wagon train that we can all want to jump on board. Let's not dilly-dally over Argentina back here at home. That won't be a test that defines things. Of course, there is also the possibility whoever missed the fix it might be can't do that either. We might just not have to, uh, we might, sorry, just have to swallow the bitter pull of re- realisation that we simply aren't good enough, that we don't have the cattle during this particular cycle. How often do you go into a fight, come out all bloodied and bruised before you say, is enough, 
enough. Ross Taylor's book, Black and White, is a bloody good read. Why? Because it's revealing, it reopens an old sore for New Zealand cricket during an ugly saga, and there's a stark contrast contrast with what's happening in New Zealand rugby as we speak. Taylor was sacked as a winner, a man of the match winner, and it did and it hit the fan big time. The timing of that and the process was pretty poor. If things don't go well in Joburg Sunday morning, I'm picking Sam Kane will suffer the same fate, but not as a winner. Nonetheless, to lose the captaincy of your country can be soul-destroying. Read the book and discover what it means to the mind and to the soul. Right, uh, let's get to South Africa where uh, award-winning journalist uh, Mark Hinton is uh, sitting in his room probably waiting for us. Uh, Mark, uh, thank you so much for two weeks in a row staying up so late on this uh, weekend of all weekends. We said it last weekend, um, I'm I'm not quite sure if things are going to change too much this weekend, but he's made changes. Uh, what uh, What have you made of them? Um, yeah, good, yeah. Morning, Smithy. Your time, evening over here. Um, it has a feeling of um, Groundhog Day about it for me. Just, you know, same, uh, different day, same stuff. Um, look, he's made four changes. I, I expected more, I've got to say. I expected um, a, a reshaped back line. Um, it, on the back of really an ineffective an ineffective back attack this entire year. Um, we haven't really seen it. One change there, uh, Richie Moanga comes in and Bowden Barrett drops back to the bench. Um, there's been a f- uh, three more changes in the pack, uh, a couple of new props in uh, Ethan De Groot and Terrell Max and Shannon Frizzell brings that physicality in at number six and maybe a little bit more consistency than Akira Ioane. Look, I don't think it goes far enough. I, they were so comprehensively out, outplayed and I know that, um, Ian Foster and, and others in the All Blacks have clung to some, you know, unconvincing positives, really, in the wake of that uh, defeat in Nelspreet last weekend. Um, you know, I I really did think that this might be kind of a swing for the fences moment for Fozzie, um, a little bit of a, a risk taken, and we haven't really seen it. Look, the midfield's still there. Rico Ioane, David Havili hasn't survived this entire year. Hard to see it doing so again um, on, on Saturday at Ellis Park. Um, uh, you know, the back three has some potential about it, but I think all of New Zealand maybe wanted to see Will Jordan have a crack at fullback. Maybe Julie Barrett move into the midfield. Maybe Lester Fainga Nuku, sorry. Um, uh, you know, be risked. I mean, it would be a risk, but what have, what have they got to lose? We haven't seen it. It's kind of a familiar All Blacks team, just with a few tweaks to its midi. I don't think it's enough. It doesn't feel like. They've got a level to go to to live with this very adept South African team. So, um, you know, we're, we're all, you always feel there a hope. The All Blacks, there's, there's talent there and that team isn't there. But just the way they're playing and, and with the change or the lack of changes they've made, it's, it's just hard to feel that they'll run out at Alice Park on Saturday afternoon. 62, 63,000 people breathing down their necks. <laughs> the altitude and everything that goes with it, the attitude that will be there from those box. It's just really hard to feel that this All Blacks team can turn the tide, I've got to say. Well, here's, and you, you raised it uh, very briefly there, but I, I, I 
would like to talk about this uh, selection of Richie Moanga and the non-selection of Will Jordan at fullback because I assume that Richie Moanga um, would be doing the goal kicking. I, I would be thinking he would be doing the goal kicking. I might be wrong. Uh, maybe they don't think he's uh, a good enough goal kicker and they need to keep playing Geordie Barrett. But surely, surely uh, the, the, the selection to me, uh, you've got the best fullback in the world and you still, you still uh, refuse to play him in that position. Yeah, yeah, it's befuddling, I've got to say. And, and, you know, the sort of vibe we picked up on was that a few chances would be taken and maybe it sums up Ian Foster's era. I just don't think he's had the vision. I don't think he's had the um, wherewithal, the, the, the smarts even to kind of unlock the potential of this group of players he's got. Um, look, Smithy, I'm pretty convinced uh, this is the last SDN Foster will be in charge. Um, it, it, it's tricky how it will play out because there's a lot of factors come into it. Um, there's you know, employment uh, contracts, there's succession, succession plans, there's just how all these things are handled. Do, do people want the job? You know, Are people ready to take the job? Is there a stopgap? sort of solution but uh, you know um, it is disappointing that that Foster hasn't taken a few risks in this last test so, and would it even be a risk playing a guy like Will Jordan at fullback I agree with you I, I was hoping to see him there um, um, you know um, maybe maybe they're unnerved by that sort of high ball attack that's inevitably coming and they see uh, Geordie Barrett as kind of a safety net but last week they managed to uh, retain possession on 5 of 15 high that's not a very good uh, return rate, even with Geordie Barrett at the back. So, again, what do they have to lose? Um, no risk taken. A bit sad. I would have changed the midfield as well. It, it just hasn't fired. Uh, Rico Ioane just hasn't um, been able to find any space. David Havili just hasn't been able to put anyone into any space outside him. It, it felt like they needed to, needed to do something there. I mean, we, I think we saw enough from Caleb Clark last week. Um, and, you know, and, and, and to a lesser extent, uh, Jordan feel like you know, those two deserve to stay. But um, you know, those changes that we all wanted, I think New Zealand wanted, just haven't come. So again, disappointing. Fozzie's last stand. It's hard to see how it doesn't end in ignominy. What's okay? Let's look at uh, the front row where it starts. Right up the front there. Um, I, I'm sorry, but I don't know enough and haven't seen enough of Ethan De Groot. I've seen a bit of Tyrell Lomax and uh, I've seen a little bit of Samasoni Takiaho now with ball in hand. But when it comes to the meat and drink side of it, I'm not convinced that they can foot it up front when the packs meet head to head. Yeah, it's a very raw front row, isn't it, Smithy? And of course, we all know it's a, it's a you know it's an area of strength for the Springboks. Ethan DeGroote played five tests. This will be just his second start, and he wasn't good enough to be in the squad in July. You know, Samasani Takiaro had a good test last week, but he's at the very early stages of his career. And, of course, Terrell Lomax, um, you know, he's been in and out a little bit of the All Blacks um, and hasn't re- another guy that wasn't considered good enough um, to be selected in July, but he's made his way in on the back of a couple of injuries to offer Tunga Farsi and Nepo Lala. So it's got a very raw look about it the front row, and they're going up against, some, uh, you know, a mighty crew and... Um, uh, you know that Springboks depth in that front row. They've brought in a uh, a raw young hooker who uh, we're all told is 
a very powerful young man and, 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 and you know, will really just step in seamlessly. Well, let's see. But, of course, they've got Malcolm Marks lurking on the bench. When you're good enough to have a guy like Malcolm Marks on the bench, you, you, know, you know they're a pretty solid team. So it, 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 doesn't, it feels ominous, doesn't it, with that front row? I mean, I, I'm not sure they had any other alternatives, Smithy. We're just a bit raw at the moment in that position. And, and, and you know, Fozzie and others have talked about... Uh, Ian Foster today was adamant that, you know, that, that they're uh, growing and, you know, building and all these sort of terms they used. But uh, that's not going to cut the mustard against a team like the Springboks. You, you need men that are hard and you need men that are ready to go. And I just don't think they're there in the front row, particularly with those two guys I mentioned at home. Um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's not an area of strength. And, and if you look through the rest of the forward pack, I mean, uh, the second row, we should be able to match up reasonably well with Whitelock and Barrett, but the loose trio, Frizzell, Kane and Artis over here are up against what they're up against in Springboks. See a Khaleesi, uh, Peter Steph, Dutois, and um, of course the returning Dwayne Vermeulen. That's an imposing trio, and again, it's hard to see us matching them. So um, if you're looking for uh, some hope and you're a New Zealand rugby fan, I think you've got to, you've got to probably pin things on the game being open. And, uh, and and maybe a bit of razzle-dazzle and, and, and the all-black backs can find some space that they haven't been able to find yet this year because I think if it's a forward grind, it could be a sad day. Well, it's, my mind goes a long, long way back to uh, Jack Gleeson, I think, with Graham Murray, and they absolutely played a completely different game plan from one test to the next, having been on the receiving end. They played it at pace. They did all sorts of silly things that no one even predicted they could do against the French, of all people. But I'm not sure you can do that against the spring box on the high felt. No, no. I mean, you know, they, they just have a game plan that they just are able to kind of stick so almost brilliantly to. They, they just know, they know who they are. They're, they have the cattle and, and they, have the, they have the wherewithal to kind of um, stay, stay on that sort of pathway. They're, they're tough beat you know and I think I think the French might be capable of it in a year's time you know on neutral te- well on their own territory um, mm. and uh, but I you know I really think the French at the moment are the only team that can beat the Springboks um, you know, providing they're able to field anywhere near their full strength team I'm not sure Ireland could handle that that box forward back but um, but maybe Ireland you know on their day and certainly the French but the, the Springbok team is right up there, and at the moment we have to kind of admit it, Smithy. These All Blacks are kind of in a little bit of a second division, you know, slipped to number five in the world, and um, it feels like we're down there with Australia, you know, um, um, Wales, and those type of teams, kind of battling to, jo- to, to, you know, to compete against the elites. Look, it can change, but um, I think it's only going to change with a new coach. Okay, so. Uh First of all, um, have you seen anything? I mean, I know you're not allowed very close access to them, and they only pop out to, to see you from time to time. But Ian Foster, have you seen or heard anything? I mean, uh, I read your column this morning that said hey, we're still growing, we're still evolving, we're heading in the right direction. Um, yeah. Do you notice anything about Ian Foster? Do you, do you sense anything about the Last Chance Saloon about him? And uh, is Mark Robinson around? Who's around for New Zealand rugby? Yeah, Mark Robertson's here, and it's notable. There, there was some suggestion he might have been heading home before this test, but he's <laughs> he is staying. He um, yeah, he's here, and um, he will be here for the weekend. So do not be surprised if 
something comes from him on Sunday, Smithy. Um, it could be as early as that. I'm not sure. I'm not privy to that information. But he is here, and um, uh, and you know, if they were going, they did have something in place of a of a of a nature to announce it. I wouldn't be surprised if it was as early as Sunday. Um, look, we we spoke to Ian Foster today. It's Thursday here in South Africa. He fronts the media at his, at his usual um, the team naming media conference. Smithy, there was tension in there. There really was. You know, you can sense these things when you've been to as many of these things as we have. And um, mm. uh, uh, he, he, uh, honestly, when we, when the New Zealand media asked him questions, he, he couldn't look us in the eye. He really couldn't. That tells you something. Um, there was a, a real tension when he pushed back on some questions. He was asked sort of how he was personally. Was he feeling... You know, the the outside noise was he feeling the pressure and he refused to answer it. He said he was part of the team and he talked about how the team was, was ready to respond to that. So he, he didn't want to go down that avenue. He pushed back on a few other things. It was a very tense Ian Foster. And, you know, you, you know we don't know exactly what's going on. I mean, these things happen behind closed doors. But if you are an expert in body language or if you are even someone who kind of, you know, Felt like they could read the room. You, you would think that Ian Foster is aware that this is his last test as All Blacks head coach. It's uh, it's a pretty damning when when you say it like that. Here's um, here's the thing uh, I'd like to know too. I mean, y- y- there was all that rigmarole, wasn't there, after Wellington about a cancelled press conference, Sunday morning press conference. Um, what has been the routine since then? Have they have they said to you there will be this after this? Or I mean, you know, there's a lot of you have made the effort to go there. How how good have they been with the media this time round? Uh, terrible. Uh, it, 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 I've covered the All Blacks since 1996, Smithy, um, since the start of the professional era. This is the worst it's ever been. I, I say that unequivocally. Um, there's only there's probably four or five New Zealand. Uh, Journalists here, not counting the Sky crew, um, if you count them, there's probably 10 or 12. It's a very small group, and, uh, you know, they've just shut us right out. Um, I guess we, you know, have to accept that. That's, that's you know, a, it's been turned into a, a little bit of an adversarial situation, which is a bit sad. Um, but, you know, they, they're doing um, interviews with people in-house, putting them out on their own uh, YouTube channels and, and not making these people available to the media that have spent money to be here that are the direct conduits to the New Zealand public and putting other people up that are of far less interest. So, you know, it, it, it is at an all-time low, um, and I know that the chief executive is, is aware of it, and uh, I'm sure he wants to do something about it because this, this is not how he sees kind of New Zealand rugby pushing forward out of these dark days. So there's a lot of work to be done, Smithy, um, um, and, you know, I've I, I got to say through all this, I do feel a little bit for Ian Foster. He's been pilloried. He's been made the face of failure. Um, and maybe, you know, he's the head coach and it goes with the territory and I get all that. But it, you also worry about, you know, we've seen the situation with Michael Hooper. And you do worry a little bit about, you know, things like mental health and whether he's got the support he needs and, and whether one guy can be, you know, hung out to dry, I guess, um, in a situation like this. So um, you, you do feel for him because, you know, he's not the one out there on the field dropping the ball, is he? He's not the one out there tackles and so forth. He's the leader of the group and he's probably going to play, play, pay a price. But I do, you know, part of me sort of feels for him because these cut, you know, this is this must be difficult times for him and I think we're seeing that. We saw that at today's press conference and I think we've seen it with kind of the siege mentality that the team's adopted over the last couple of weeks. So as soon as we move 
on. I think the sooner um, you know the next sort of plans put in place, I think the sooner we can all start um, enjoying the All Blacks again. I, you know, I think it's just become a little bit depressing at the moment, and uh, I, I guess we've been part of that in the media, um, telling a pretty negative story. But uh, we need this team to kind of um, step back into the life, you know, become the team we all know they can be again. So hopefully, this is this is an end point and also a start point. Mark Hinton, as always, thank you very much, uh, particularly for uh, sacrificing a bit of your sleep on our behalf. So uh, thanks for those thoughts. Uh, we can't wait. We can't wait uh, for the game, but we can't wait for things to be settled, just like you. Uh, thanks for your time, mate. Uh, travel well home. All good, Smithy. Cheers. Cheers. Mark Hinton there, of course, a senior writer um, who has been around the All Blacks for a long, long period of time, and uh, it's quite depressing to hear uh, the way they're being treated, apparently, and uh, just the you know the feel, the feel about our greatest uh, sporting team. Not good. Nine twenty-three here on SENZ. Back with some tech shortly. This is the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, I got uh, some really cool texts actually. I got a, a, good, a good one to start with too from Carlos. Actually, he says, "Marina Smithy, listen, listening to SENZ over the past month has led me to think: Why are we so?" vociferous and in expressing our anger and frustration towards all black coaches, team selection and NZR hierarchy. Putting this into perspective, I ask, what is important in life and in our lives as rugby fans? I remember an amazing quote by Liverpool coach Jurgen Klopp. It goes, football is the most important of the least important things in life. For many of us fans in New Zealand, rugby is most important of the least important things in our lives. Don't let anyone tell you it's just a game. Hey, Carlos, very deep. I, I like it. Thank you very much for that. Uh, here's another one. Uh, maybe they've shut the media out because they've been bullied and bagged by the media on a daily basis, says Mark. Logan Swinkles. Logan Swinkles, what do you make of that as a media man? I do not buy that at all, Smithy. We've heard this numerous, numerous times. This is the professional era era of rugby. We've been it in some time now. This is all just part of it, Smithy. Uh, and Mark as well to you if you don't front I mean in other sports look at the NFL if you don't front to the media uh, and you shut them out you'll get fined Marshawn Lentz very famous quote from Super Bowl media day I'm just here so I, I won't get fined you just have to front it's part of it and I have a lot of respect for coaches and players that do front after heavy losses because I I mean I haven't been in that situation myself I'm not an elite level athlete but I can understand you can feel the vibe right you can read the room you know how hard that must be for them in that moment but they front and so with the All Blacks with the New Zealand rugby we've heard stories we've had like Hamish Bidwell Jamie Wall on the panel Smithy talk about how they've been put into a room and had their hands put on them and you know basically being told off by New Zealand rugby because of something they've said this is the professional era grow up it is part of it well cool love it love it Logan Swinkles absolutely love it uh, and I'll just finish that off by saying uh, you can't beat the media you simply cannot beat the media the, the media aren't going anywhere coaches players captains they go media won't be going anywhere I promise you that you turn your back on the media and you expose some very, very weak areas. Oh, simple as that. It's 9.31 here on SENZ. It's time to go to Araha with the news. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811.
Right, you've heard the number, you know what to do, and yes, you could win the $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. So much to talk about this morning um, in such a defining test match, or is it? Is it, uh, you know, are we being strung along again? Is it as defining as uh, we're led to believe? We shall see. Uh, Jeff the Ref has been so patient this morning. Jeff the Ref from the lovely Cromwell. Jeff, uh, good morning to you. Uh, what's on your mind today? This is lovely, all right. It's lovely, but it's about minus five, buddy. <laughs> uh, just a couple of things just to answer that question the other day you want me to sleep on it um, about the TMOs for MPC um, mm-hmm. but uh, to not get you are basically saying scrap the TMOs for MPC rugby trial it, is that what the question was or not? Well basically what I'm saying is that you know I'd, I'd like to see the refs given more power to, to make their own decisions and get more confident about doing that. And I wonder if you, to do that, you, you could start it at NPC level. That's what I'm basically saying. Yeah, well, I, I tell you, from my 27 years involvement, that, you know, right through to, to uh, premier grade at grassroots, that we tend to referees, because we can't rely on, sometimes we don't even have ARs. We're gonna, so we've got to be fit, fast, and make a and get in, get into position so we can. We can't always see it, obviously. Um, unfortunately, cause you can't be everywhere. But we we get fit. You got to be fitter and keep up with play so you can. But you make a positive decision, rightly or wrongly. Like if somebody goes over the ball in front and doesn't goal, uh, unless I see it, if I don't see a clear knock on, if it's a clear pitch in my mind, I'll make a decision, rightly or wrongly. You know, to, and that's why I've always been without the, the help of ARs or TMOs. But the trouble is, say, for instance, uh, we've got the big shield challenge. We've got uh, Hawks Bay 5, 20, 20, 25 to 22 counties. Last play, Hawks Bay hot on attack, and the referee's out of position. The ARs don't pick it up, but, you know, and it, so he's got to, if he doesn't see it, it's held up over goal, but uh, the replay clearly shows, shows there's a, a try, but because the ARs and referees didn't see it, it's a line dropout. So how do you feel, feel that, that uh, over the, uh, not using the TMO in that situation, Smitty? Yeah, well, you've called me out there, Jeff, um, and, and I've got to answer you on that. Um, I'd, I'd feel uh, disappointed. I'd feel gutted, and the reason why is because I'm indoctrinated now into because of the system that they've had, um, indoctrinated to the fact that they actually get it right because of video evidence. But it wasn't really what I was... uh, And I understand exactly where you're coming from there. I would be gutted, absolutely, if that turned out to be the case. But um, if I I got back used to the fact that uh, I trusted a referee's judgment um, and I would run with it just like the teams would have to, I'd run with it. I'd have to. And that's why I think we've got to get back into the habit of that and the refereeing I would... I would suspect the refereeing as a whole will improve with the greater responsibility they've given because they're not stupid referees. They're not stupid people. They've got eyes and ears. They make good decisions. Um, it's just the fact that, you know, that, uh, they, they've lost confidence. They've absolutely lost confidence, I believe, uh, of their own conviction. Uh, sorry, uh, who are we going to now, um, please? Uh, Joey from Auckland. Joey from uh, Auckland. Good morning to you, Joey. Yeah, good day, Smithy. Um the All Blacks obviously obviously always got a chance. Um, I like the, the Mwanga change. I think he could make a difference, but they've got to go forward and they've got to, you know, they've got to have that forward roll on. If the forwards can do the job, 
we've got a chance. But the other thing, Smithy, are you a bit worried about uh, the challenge tonight, mate? Counties, I mean, I'm in Auckland, though. I'm waiting for our challenge to come up. Um, but, uh, you know, you've, you've, had, you've had the shield for a while now and you've been going pretty good. Uh, but I just think it might be time that it could be changing. Well, OK, yeah, I think you're just stirring the pot a wee bit there, Joey, to be perfectly honest. But here's the... Th- uh, look, I've got great respect for counties, Manukau. I, I mean, I, you know, they've come in the past. They came in 2013, and against the odds, they won it there. Um, I remember being part of uh, the uh, handing over ceremony and uh, the joy on their faces. Um, I, I thought it was a good it was a good thing. It went. It was almost like, um, you know, there's a bit of complacency about Hawks Bay. I don't suspect that now. Got a new coach... Um, you know, they've got a, a, a new coaching structure, etc. They've uh, got a pretty good side. I'd be, I'd be surprised if it went tonight. I'd be surprised. Um, but I, I will not be surprised if it goes down to the wire, Joey. What are you thinking? Yeah, well, uh, no, I think you'll still have it. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm, an, I'm an Auckland supporter, obviously, too. You know, I do like to see counties go OK, obviously. But um, I just hope we can get a challenge, Smithy, because... I think if we get a challenge, it may well come back to the, the mighty Eden Park. It, uh, it's one of those things, mate. Uh, I mean, as I said, you, you've been going pretty good. It's been fantastic. I mean, it, it's still brilliant. It's, uh, it's, it's a shield challenge. It does, you know, especially these sides like Poverty Bay that come up and, and have a go in South Canterbury. It, it's, it's still brilliant, and it always will be. Um, but I just think your time with the shield may be a little bit limited at the moment, mate. But good okay, luck for tonight. I look forward to you ringing at 9.32 on Monday morning, right? Win, lose or draw, we'll have a chat about it. 9.32 on Monday morning and um, I won't be eating humble pie because I think it's possible, but um, I'll be I'll be um, kowtowing to your better judgment, put it that way. So, Joey, at 9.32 Monday morning, folks, mark that on your calendar. John from Auckland will mark you on our calendar right now, John. Good morning to you. Yeah, more than enough. Really. Uh, good to hear your voice again, mate. Um, just quickly, uh, just on Ross Taylor's book, um, who would have thought, say, hey, a young uh, Pacific Island lad from Masterton being our greatest ever batsman? I mean, um, you, you know, he's like a son to you. I understand you guys are quite close. And his, um, I actually thought his book wasn't very telling. I mean, a lot of New Zealanders face, um, you know, maybe casual racism there and here. I mean, we don't necessarily mean it, but, um, you know, as probably the only Pacific Islander in the team, um, it was more apparent to him than um, most other players. And and who are we to say that he he isn't telling the truth? I mean, he's been in the game for 20-odd years, New Zealand's greatest ever batsman, as I've just stated, Um, and his book is is wonderful. I read it last night. Um, It's up there with Sonny Bill's novel, actually. Um, but yeah, I, I know you played a big part in his life, Smithy, and, and I appreciate that you've been there for Ross, and he talks about that. So um, yeah, what 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 a cricketer, what a person, what a New Zealander. Yeah, I like the. I, I didn't know the content of the book. To be perfectly honest uh, with you, John, we've been talking to Laura McGoldrick actually after ten o'clock. I was rung by the author. We had a twenty-minute chat about a few instances in Ross's life, and uh, and I just uh, thought to you know. I had my five cents worth, so I'm quoted a few times in the book as such. But, um, yeah, it's interesting revelations. Um, to be around him to be around him was interesting at the time where he, when he lost the captaincy. That was a real turning point, not just in his cricket career, John, but in his life. Um, and, mm. you know, um, 
uh, as I said uh, in my sermon um, this morning, uh, if Sam Kane loses the captaincy of the All Blacks, our greatest uh, sporting team, it is a humbling um, and hollow feeling to be dumped in terms of uh, your leadership. I can promise you that. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Dean from Dunedin. G'day, Dean. What do you make of the side? Come on. Well, Smithy, I don't know, but one thing I wanted to bring up with you was imagine, like I hate rotation. I've harped on about it numerous times, and imagine if your player of the day who basically got in the road and was a complete nemesis for the All Blacks was put on the bench the following week. Imagine how we would go nuts. So I don't understand that. I mean, I know that Bongo has started more than marks, but the way that the man played last week, he's not a one-hit wonder. Look at the size of him. He's a rhinoceros on steroids. Like, he's just huge, and we don't really have anyone like that. Tom Lahu's going to be that, because that's who he's going to mark himself on. Like, they'll be best of mates now after the battle they had, and I love it, but... I can't figure out why he's not playing. So for me, that gives us a sniff. So I loaded up the old TAB account, and I've had a crack at the All Blacks. I think, why not? Because if I lose my money, I reckon Razor's got the job already, so it doesn't even matter. I can't see them persisting with Forrester. But what I would love to... I like the back line. I just hate the positions they're in. So maybe he's just named them like that, and Geordie's going to go to 13, Rico's going to go to 11, Caleb's going to go to 14, Will's going to go to fullback when they run on the field, just going to have queer numbers on their back. But for me, that's way better looking than what we've named on the, in the paper. You know what I mean? Dean, I love you. I absolutely love you. And I've got to come down. I've got to come down to the law courts and taste what you're tasting, honestly. It's just fantastic. Zane, Zane from Power for M. Good morning to you. Morning, Smithy. I thought I'd better give you a buzz, mate. I'm off to Japan for a month tomorrow, so that'll be the last time I can call you for a while. Cool. What's the reason? Business, Zane? Bit of business? Yeah, my business business is up there, mate. I haven't been there for two years, so I better go and have a look and make sure it's still running. Taking your clubs? But, uh, uh, no, I'm going to buy new clubs over there, mate. Half the price are here, cool. so that's one of the excitements okay. of going. Cool. Hey, okay. um, on the All Blacks, a um, couple of points. First one is, it's, you know, first thought was underwhelming, mate. You've got four or five guys out of position. Um, you got a, what do we got? You've got a fullback plan on the wing. You've got a wing plan on the centre, you've got a fullback plan second five, you've got an open side flanker plan number eight um, that's pretty concerning um, particularly Harvey at 12 for me is not hugely convincing particularly against the box but I hope they go well um, the, the topic I wanted to bring up which is, I'm kind of curious that it hasn't come up this time round it often you know, yeah. starts to come up a lot when we're playing bad is not picking players based offshore just out of curiosity, imagine the team we could put together if that was um, possible right now. I mean, I, I tried to find a list, but I'd be curious if the listeners had a few ideas of players who are playing really well up in the north that you could bring in that would actually have a bit of impact out of, just out of curiosity, sake. It would be interesting, actually. It's a good point, Zane. Um, I, mean, uh, I, I think we've that'll, that'll be hundreds. the last straw when... Yeah, that'll be the last. Well, there were some coaches as well to be fine, couldn't we? As well, exactly. So, um, <laughs> hey, hey yeah, mate, mate, I appreciate your thought. I don't see that happening uh, for quite some time. No, I think we're, uh, we're right at the bottom of the barrel. But, um, hey, mate, uh, first of all, um, uh, fly safe. Enjoy your trip to Japan. Love, love hearing your thoughts. And um, if you've got any thoughts, you can always drop us a text anyway while you're away. Look forward to, to hearing from you, mate. Travel safe and yes, make mate, sure we'll you do. choose those those clubs well. 
Ted's Zane uh, from uh, Parapara Umu there, so uh, what a golf course that is. It is 9.46 here on SCNZ. We'll be back very, very shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Right, of course, uh, tune in every uh, Sunday from 12 o'clock for here on SCNZ, uh, GRNZ's Dog Speed, hosted by two legendary greyhound experts and uh, Mark Rosanowski and Dan Roberts. Don't miss a beat with Greyhound Racing New Zealand's Dog Speed, and we hope not to this afternoon because that's when our dog runs round uh, for our charity, which, of course, is Women's Refuge. Uh, so Addington at uh, 21 minutes past one this afternoon. Race five, number one, Smash Wave. Race five, number one, Smash Wave. That is our Greyhound Greyhound Racing Charity Run Dog for the week. Uh, we shall uh, I'll just read another couple of texts, actually, while we've uh, got here. Uh, Sam has come in and said, uh, Hey, Smithy, with the news of Trent Bolt exiting his contract, which means he probably won't play a lot more for New Zealand, does he make our top New Zealand five cricketers of all time? Uh, Hadley Crow, Williamson, Taylor, Bolt. He retires as number one day bowler. Uh, and and the world uh, it's number one one day bowler in the world fourth of all time New Zealand wickets list uh, for test matches a better average than Victoria and Southie and played less matches um, where does, uh, also where does B Max uh, well if you're looking at New Zealand's uh, greatest ever uh, cricket 11 if you put them down on paper certainly those names that you put up uh, Hadley, Crow, Williamson, Taylor certainly there uh, McCullum certainly there uh, and Bolt, certainly there. Absolutely. Compliment to Hadley with Bolt. How, how good would that opening, line, uh, opening attack be? Southie not far away either. And uh, maybe even in there as well. So uh, Vittori uh, would be in the mix as well, Sam. So yeah, there are plenty of uh, viable options there. But uh, Trent Bolt, uh, win, lose or draw, he is in my all-time New Zealand 11. One of the best uh, we've had. 9.53. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, let's look at uh, this weekend. The Rabbitohs against the Eels. I think uh, that might be a bit of a given at $1.59. Argentina against Australia. I'm going to take the point start again. Last week I uh, missed out, but Argentina, I think, will be a little bit better, a bit more determined. Australia will be too, but uh, I think Argentina plus a five-and-a-half-point start will do me at $1.87. And I've looked at uh, the, the NPC games uh, over the weekend, and uh, one I've chosen is uh, Taranaki. I think Taranaki might beat Bay of Plenty. Taranaki were... Uh, Upset last week. They were upset by a very willing Northland team, and uh, they will not want to lose uh, two in a row. You can, uh, well, Barnsley won't tolerate that. You can bet your bottom dollar. So, dollar ninety-five, Taranaki to beat Bay of Plenty, and uh, multied up together. That's the Rabbitohs, Argentina, with the point start, and Taranaki to beat Bay of Plenty. That's uh, five dollars seventy-nine. All up. $5.79. Look forward to that one coming to fruition. Right, uh, after the 10 o'clock, of course, uh, we will be talking to Laura McGoldrick. Now, Laura, one of the busiest women in, in sports media at the moment, all over the place. Uh, interviewed Ross Taylor yesterday. Uh, quite an in-depth interview as well. I'm not sure if you caught it. If you haven't, you'll be able to do it on social media in some capacity. 
uh, but we shall talk to Laura on her impressions about that interview very shortly. 12.60am in Christchurch. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is uh, three minutes past ten here on SENZ. Really looking forward to this uh, interview um, for a number of reasons, uh, actually, because Ross Taylor's new book, Black and White, is out. It's one of the most anticipated New Zealand sports autobiographies in years. In fact, it's a biography uh, written by Paul Thomas. Amongst other things, it recounts the saga that saw Taylor replaced as captain by Brendan McCullum. Of course, uh, that was very well documented, or was it? And also details the experiences of racism that uh, Ross Taylor has encountered in cricket. Now, Laura McGoldrick, of course, is a cricket commentator, a presenter, uh, so busy with uh, Sky TV at the moment, got her own radio show, mum of two, of uh, two, and it's an interesting point as well, which we'll raise, with her husband away playing cricket. Had an in-depth sit-down uh, with a very good friend of hers, uh, Ross Taylor, yesterday on Sky Sport, uh, and Laura uh, joins us now. G'day, Laura, how are you? Hi, Smitty, thanks for having me. Hey, listen, um, so uh, keen to talk to you uh, about this because... Uh, clearly, there are revelations in this book I knew nothing about, and I thought I knew Ross pretty well. Uh, he's been harbouring a few things for quite some time, hasn't he? Yeah, he certainly has. And, um, yeah, like you, Smithy, known him for a long time, not as long as you, but there was some stuff that surprised me as well. And I think um, having spoken to him, um, you might have seen the interview I did, um, mm. he, he was surprised at some of the stuff that people um, uh, talked about because he got input from yourself, uh, Brian Waddle, John Buchanan, he was surprised with some of the things that they they had seen during the time that they hadn't told him, uh, especially around the captaincy I can think of. Um, that surprised him as well. So it, it, it's, a, it's a great read, and it, it's got a lot of good stuff in it too that happened in his career, um, which I enjoyed reading as well. Okay, uh, since his time um, away from cricket, and it's only been a very brief time as such uh, in international cricket, um, knowing him, do, do you feel as if uh, like a, a weight's been lifted a wee bit off Ross? I think yes. I think um, for him and knowing him the way I do, it was probably really hard to watch the Black Caps in England uh, in this last series just been where we lost three 0 I think that would have been hard for him because he he did love you know representing New Zealand. I think that he probably feels now, having spent particularly the last few days with him. Um, He's been waiting a long time to tell his side of the story. So that's probably um, a nice feeling, but also probably quite scary to bring it all back up again for him. You know, it's, there's a sense of vulnerability when you tell your story. I know you wrote a book, Smithy. You know what it's like when you, you put yourself out there into words, black and white, on pages. It's a, it's a little bit daunting for him, I'm sure, as well. Um, but, yeah, I do I do feel like a, a weight has lifted. He, he, he recognised um, that it was time to, to move on, and he's moved on into a... A different space, not into cricket. He's he's um he's got a, a, an office job two days a week now. So he's he's yeah he's he's definitely ready for this next stage in his life. Okay, so um, about the captaincy side of things, um, you, you mentioned I wrote a book. I didn't have and I had a career, but it never ever did I have anything removed from me and uh, to, to the level of uh, losing the captaincy of my national team. Um, a lot of people would have walked away from the game. Um, I think there was a, maybe 24 hours, 48 hours, maybe a bit longer when he thought about perhaps doing that. 
Uh, but uh, his ability from that point onwards to do and achieve what he achieved, knowing what was in the back of his mind this whole time, uh, is quite interesting. It's it's interesting, and I think you know he should really he probably didn't get the credit he deserves for how he managed to pick himself up and still find ways to go out there and and be part of the team and win games for his country. It takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of work, I think, um, mentally. You know, he had a lot of mental skills coaches, a lot of people he leaned on. I know he leaned on you as well, Martin Crow, another. It takes a lot for a... Because it was a horrific time. I've He really... He was a very unrecognisable Ross to this young, cricket-loving, happy boy from the bush, as he describes himself to see him go through what he went through, just even as a, as a friend, not even as a cricket fan, that, that, that's a lot. So he, he it, I hope he gets recognised for what it must have taken, the inner strength it must have taken to get up and to play cricket and to break as many records as he did. And I think he, he talks a lot about how Martin Crow set um, goals for himself, um, goals for, for Ross to achieve, which he was able to do. And I think that became a, um, a driving force for a period there for him to, to be able to go out there and play cricket for his country. And as he says... There's only one New Zealand cricket team. Mm. Well, one other thing that uh, has um, hit the headlines uh, since uh, your interview and since uh, the book has been um, launched, of course, is uh, the racial side of things. It's not an issue that we openly want to talk about much in life, but the fact of the matter is we perhaps should do and talk about it a wee bit more. Um, uh, and I understand he's, he, he took some of the stuff out of the book because uh, of the fact that uh, people that may have been involved uh, are still around the scene and that that was a revolution uh, that that I knew nothing about I've got to say and I certainly knew nothing about that either Um, so I was I was surprised to hear that it's not something that um, I was expecting to say the least so um, yeah I I'm sad to hear it you don't like to think that that's happening and um, you know as Ross said it's, it's only two pages in the book but he did it's part of his story so he had to talk about it um, and hopefully, you know, it gets better, and, and that's the thing. We all keep learning and growing and changing and evolving, and he can only hope that that, you know, through talking about it, it gets better. What did uh, Martin, uh, husband Martin, uh, of course, who was one of Ross's uh, in the playing terms anyway, still is, but was in the dressing room one of his only confidants, really. Was he ever saying anything about that to you? Did he, did he, ever, did he even notice anything like that? No, no, he's never said anything to me about that. To be perfectly honest, and I guess I don't. I don't. Maybe, maybe he didn't notice. Maybe it, I, I don't. I honestly, I have never even spoken to him about it. And we're on bloody different time zones at the moment. It's hard to get anything going. Um, uh, so yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't spoken to him about it. But he never mentioned it before. So um, well, yeah, I, um, I, I yeah, I don't know. I'm not yeah. Don't know how to answer that one. No, he he, he never mentioned it. Okay, so um, you think Ross will now find, um, because obviously it's quite emotional, etc. Do you think Ross can find um, happiness around cricket or do you think he'll have to move away from cricket as such? Well, one of the questions I asked him is if he still loved the game and, and loved it just as much as when he started, despite, you know, some of the some of the hurdles he had to get over in the process. And he said, he, yes, he definitely does. Um, and some people in the team, um, some players had asked if they would, men- if he, he would mentor them and things like that. So I think he's still going to stay present in the game, but it's probably not. It's an emotionally taxing game at the best of times, but to do it for the length of time that Ross did, he probably a step away from the game wouldn't be so bad. 
so you can remember all the good things as well um, as it's slightly challenging. So um, hopefully um, he'll come back and help in, in, in other ways and we might see him, I don't know, do some coaching, although he's, he's never said to me he wants to coach. But I imagine he'd be quite a good coach. Mm. Oh, I think he'd be quite a good uh, quite a good mentor, actually, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the things that have, has been of interest this week, and you can speak with authority on this as well, of course, uh, Trent Bolt has retired, Laura, from, or basically retired from Test cricket, uh, the way I see it anyway. He's going to play some white ball cricket if uh, time permits for him uh, for New Zealand. Uh, one of the reasons he cited, of course, is uh, you know wanting to spend more time with his family. Now, you're in exactly the same position on the other side. You're the wife and the mother. Uh, of a player who is still away and, and has been away for quite some time on this particular uh, little uh, trip they've been on. How do you guys cope? Uh, how much pressure is it? Um, well, look, I think everyone's different. Um, for me, there's probably um, different pressure on me because I'm you know, still working and, and doing the mum thing. And it's just, it's, it's probably people say, you know, oh, it must be so hard on you, but it's actually probably harder on the boys because they're away from their growing family and, and things like that. I mean, you m- remember what it's like, and it was, you know, even different again when you were playing Smithy. You, you, you miss a lot of a lot of normal going to kids' parties, you know, birthdays, weddings, funerals. You miss a lot of those things, and I think that that must take a toll. It's hard on, on us, um, on the partners who, who are, are here, absolutely, but I, I don't think it should ever be taken away from the boys who are out there playing, um, how hard it must be on them as well. But, you know, Guppy and I have always been realistic. We know that, um, you know, to play, represent your country is a privilege and he loves doing it. And as long as he loves doing it, he'll continue to try and do so. And, I'll, you know, we just make it work as a family. And we're so proud of him. And at the end of the day, like I said earlier, it's it's not forever. So you best make the most of it while you can. Yeah, family's important for people to, to lean on in that regard. Um, and, and that, uh, just going back to the book uh, momentarily too, was uh, uh, his relationship, uh, and this, is, this was um, of interest to me as well, uh, with Martin Crowe, the late Martin Crowe, was a good deal deeper than I ever suspected it was. Oh, they, have a, they had a very complex, beautiful relationship as I think only you can have with um, the late Martin Crowe. He was a, you know, he was a, he was a unique character, and they definitely had a, a very special relationship. Um, to have the Ford written by him was poor. I mean, I, I don't know if you've read the Ford, Smithy, but I could. There's a lot of dust in the eye there. I could barely get through it. It was um, it was really moving. And Ross said that you know when he said to Hogan, um, you know, would you write my Ford, knowing he didn't have a lot of time left. Um, Hogan said to him, well, I was going to write it anyway. So, um, which I, I really enjoyed that story. So, yeah, they had, a, they had a beautiful relationship. And, you know, that whole, that whole journey with him um, and, you know, obviously him passing away was a lot, a lot for Ross. And I think I probably underestimated just how much. Mm, absolutely. Uh, I, I did too. I mean, uh, <coughs> so clearly uh, emphasised uh, uh, brilliantly by uh, Paul Thomas, who's done a good, good uh, job writing the book as well. Of course, um, Laura, we can't deny the fact that the Black Caps are on tour. You've just mentioned it, of course, uh, up against the West Indies at the moment. Uh, pretty good performance uh, in Game 1. So uh, what do you think the feeling is uh, over there? What, what's, uh, what's the old man saying? Well, he's, no, he's, he's loving it. Um, he, he said to me, oh, I forgot how, how fast some of those West Indian boys can hit a ball. And by crikey, if you were watching me uh, the last couple of overs of, of that matchup the other day, they can hit the ball a country mile and they bat so deep and they're all capable of, of just absolutely smashing boundaries, which makes for great viewing. 
but I imagine a bit nervy on the ground if you're one of the bowlers. So, um, no, Gunn's in a good space. The team seems in a good space. I mean, obviously, they've got a really exciting uh, couple of months coming up, what was with the T20 World Cup in Australia and getting so close last time. Um, surely we have to get across the line in the final, you know, not just the World Test Championship, but maybe in the white ball format as well. So I like to think all good signs for us. And, and you know, they've got the likes of Finn Allen and, and Michael Bracewell over there who have, been, have done so well, did so well on the European tour and, and Michael Bracewell obviously in those test matches in England. So it would be nice to, um, you know, it's nice to see that they're um, bringing in some new players and they're obviously getting themselves organised for that T20 campaign in October. I had a couple of texts in uh, already this morning uh, while I've been talking to you, Laura, to say, is Ross going on a book tour? Is he? I, th- I think so. I think Victoria just wants him out of the house. He's been home for too long. So um, <laughs> I think she said it's time for you to get on the road. Um, no, I, I do believe he is. I think he's. I think next week the tour, tour starts and he's going yeah. around a few hotspots and you can go get your book signed by him. So it's a different tour than Ross is used to. It is. Uh, he doesn't like uh, being out and about as such. But, uh, of course, once you write a book, of course, uh, you, you lay your, your heart open and uh, people want to come and uh, talk to you, meet you, and uh, hopefully buy your book as well. So the book is black and white. Uh, the interview with uh, Laura McGoldrick and Ross Taylor uh, was on Sky yesterday and uh, will be replayed and you'll be able to see it on various forms of the media as well. An hour-long interview. Uh, heart to heart uh, from someone who knows someone very well to someone who answered uh, the questions very well indeed hey Laura hey cool thanks for your your time this morning um, and for just uh, letting us know a little bit more in depth about uh, the man that you know and love Um, and I'm not talking about Guppy here just by the by I was talking more about Ross uh, (laughs) incidentally Uh, so uh, love as as a brother uh, as a a close family member shall I say and Ross Taylor it's been cool talking to you have a lovely weekend Laura Hey, thank you so much for the year of legends. Appreciate you having me on. Cheers, Laura McGoldrick there. Uh, character and uh, really uh, top-class television presenter, I can promise you that. Uh, excellent, excellent at her job. Uh, so we'll uh, take a break now and we'll get to, to more people from the media and uh, our panel very shortly with Brad Lewis and uh, Jim Kayes. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Right, I said that Brad Lewis was was with us. Uh, actually, Brad's been called away because he's got to do an interview with uh, Joseph Parker. And that, I mean, that just sums up where they think I'm at, don't they, really? I mean, Joseph Parker, he'd rather spend time with Joseph Parker than me. For God's sake, what's going on with the world? But anyway, I'm very pleased to say, very pleased to say that Ross Carl has come off the bench uh, and we've got a Sky double act really because Jim Kayes is uh, with us as, as well this morning and we shall start with the rugby gentleman. Uh, Jim Kayes, what have you made of uh, the latest offering in terms of a, a, a 23 from uh, Ian Foster? Yeah, g'day guys. Oh, look, it's a bit of a shuffling of the, the chairs, isn't it really? Is this the last throw of the dice for Ian Foster? Um, I still, I'm still a little bit baffled that we don't have um, Will Jordan getting a crack at fullback. Um, I still think that Rico Ioane's a better wing than he is a centre. Um, pretty pleased to see Richie Moanga get a, a go at, at uh, first five, but yeah, it's up front, isn't it? And um, it's a really intriguing uh, front row that they've picked. You know, with Tyrell Lomax in there, um, Ethan De Groot. 
and, and Newell on the bench. So let's see how, how they go. Uh, they had to make a change at six because I thought Akira Ioane was disappointing. He's just so inconsistent as a, as a blindside flanker. Um, yeah, look, they're up against it. I don't think it's really just the players. I think it's the whole setup, some of the, the disconnect between coaches and players, uh, the lack of confidence, a whole heap of things like that. So, yeah, huge. If they were to win in Alice Park, that would be one of the most remarkable performances by the All Blacks for decades. I agree. I totally agree. Uh, when you think of uh, what's been going on and what they're up against, in normal circumstances, uh, you know, if you had a side firing uh, on all cylinders to go to uh, Alice Park and Johannesburg and come away with a win, it's been almost nigh impossible over the years. Uh, Ross, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Um, and uh, what do you, you make of all this? I mean, uh, are we really just hoping at some point that something snaps at the end of all this and this is the end of this ugly saga? Because it has been an ugly saga around the All Blacks. Oh, yeah, it just needs to stop now. Um, uh, it's time for us to move on to a, a new setup in a new way. The, the, the more I watch and the more I listen, the more I just think... It doesn't matter what happens this weekend. What New Zealand rugby needs is a person who will inspire and lead this team and lead the fans and lead casual fans back to rugby. They need someone in charge of this team that will relate, someone that people are inspired by and are excited by. And, you know, whether that is Scott Robertson now or Scott Robertson later, rugby needs a shot in the arm, needs a shot of positivity. It needs to remove the old All Blacks way of having a grizzly kind of um, downbeat coach um, and get someone who can really spark something and really get it going. Um, and so for me, the writing is on the wall. It's so much bigger than just the leader of this team. It's a person to lead this game back to where it needs to be. And for me, that's Scott Robertson. And I look at this game this weekend. This is the red herring, this team naming. You know, Richie Moong at 10, well, if your forwards aren't winning it, what does it matter? Um, maybe he plays slightly better from deeper, um, which might help against the rush D, but then again, he definitely does that with a forward pack that's going forward at the Crusaders. So, you know, is it going to help him anyway? Um, yeah, I, I, I would say that my mood is described as downcast, Smitty. Yeah, I can sense it, actually. Uh, Ross, and, and both of you guys are, uh, of course, in the business of uh, programming, making programs for television, and when it comes to rugby, um, you need a access or uh, information out of the All Black camp as, as such. Uh, and Jim, you put together the breakdown, of course. Uh, I spoke to Mark Hinton this morning. He's Johnny on the spot over there with uh, two or three other scribes. Um, it's an industry you know very well as well, Jim. Uh, and he said it's uh, the worst it's ever been. The worst it's ever been trying to uh, deal from a media perspective with the All Blacks. Yeah, that's disappointing, isn't it? Uh, I think from a Sky perspective, it's been quite quite good in, in, in the, the sort of 10 days that they've been over in South Africa. But I, I do understand where Mark's coming from. Uh, I do think that's unfortunate um, and probably not surprising because, you know, to, to coin the phrase, they'll be circling the wagons, won't they? Uh, they'll be looking inside and trying to defend themselves from, from any criticism from outside. Um, but, you know... <laughs> To, to Ross's point, I, I totally agree, but they needed to make that change after the last World Cup. You know, I've said it so many times, New Zealand rugby's missed two tricks, really, or three, actually. Um, they, they, they've they gone for 
sort of safe hands, conservative appointments with the CEO, with the chairman, and with the coach. And, you know, that was at a time when they really needed to um, have a, a huge refresh. You know, New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks needed a refresh. And Mark uh, Scott Robertson would have provided that. It seems baffling to me, Smithy and, and Ross, that New Zealand rugby seem to be the only people who don't understand that Scott Robertson should be the All Blacks coach. I, I don't think I've ever covered, reported on a, a, a more unpopular coach than, than Ian Foster. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad person, Julian Savia. I'm not saying that he's got character flaws or anything like that. I'm just saying he's not a very popular coach. I think he's less popular than John Mitchell was, and, and that's saying something. It is saying something. Uh, um, and, you know, you, when you look at um, the group there, you, you, I include uh, Mark Robinson in here. Nice guy. Ian Foster. Nice guy. Sam Kane. Nice yeah. guy. We need a bad guy in there somewhere, Ross, by the sound of it. Uh, when I say bad, we need someone that's going to, um, I won't say rock the boat, but someone that's going to ask uh, questions of uh, the whole deal. Yeah, someone with a bit of edge, someone with a change, someone who hasn't necessarily been brought through this particular system that goes all the way back to post John Mitchell, you know. And I, I think just to Jim's point, you know, the reason why Ian Foster is less popular than John Mitchell um, is because John Mitchell won a whole bunch of rugby games. You know, he lost the World Cup, but he won a bunch of rugby games, won back the Bledisloe Cup, and um, beat South Africa and Australia by 50 points overseas. Um, you know, and, and so that's him a little bit of the hate um, but I also agree with Jim there's a big difference between having a decent conversation about whether or not someone should be in the job and it being a personal attack. Look I understand that there are some people out there who make personal attacks and I'm sure that Julian's received a few nasty messages in his direct messages on Instagram and things from fans who take it too far but in the most part this is a healthy conversation because this game needs a shot in the arm. Right, OK, we're going to take a short break. I haven't finished with rugby yet, fellas, um, and the protocols around how they might go about this um, New Zealand rugby. Uh, so stay with us if you please can. Uh, Jim Kayes and Ross Carl with us this morning. We'll take a short break uh, with uh, Araha and a news update. We'll be back very soon. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It is 10.32. Uh, we are with Ross Carl and Jim Case uh, this morning. Both of them do exemplary work for uh, Sky Sport. Uh, Jim Case, uh, you've got men on the ground over there, one, two, three, four of them, I think, at least. Uh, what are you planning? Should we lose? Should uh, New Zealand rugby perhaps have an announcement? Uh, have you got contingencies for that, or do you think uh, if there is any, any th- um, bloodletting uh, to continue, it'll be done at home? I think it'll be done at home. It's really intriguing what they do there, though, Smithy, because, you know, as you well know, they play Argentina on the 27th of August in Christchurch, which is where Scott Robertson lives. Um, is that enough time to, to, to make a change? I mean, look, it is, but my understanding is that Scott would come in with a completely new team, not just of um, coaches and management and that sort of stuff, but also I think he'd make changes to the team, to the, to the players, so that's a very quick turnaround if that is to happen. If they don't do it, then do they limp through to the end of the rugby championship and you know potentially see the Bledisloe Cup return to Australia and then make a change uh, for the end of year tour, which you know gives them about oh, a month or so to, to do that. I, I think if they lose this test match in, in Alice Park, they need to stop the rot. They need to step in and say to Foster, either you resign or we're going to sack you. 
uh, and and bring in um, Scott Robertson. I mean, he's already got you know Jason Ryan in there. Uh, Leo McDonald would probably come in, and a few others like that, and then and then maybe some changes to the management side of things uh, because that 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 needs a bit of a shake up as well. So. Yeah, they're going to have to move quickly, and Mark Robinson has not been renowned for moving quickly. He has not. Um, and uh, Jeff, the refs just sent in a text, and coincidentally, uh, it was the same question uh, I was going to ask you of you, Ross Carl. Just say, just say, Scott Robertson doesn't want the job at the moment. What then? Then I suppose you've got a couple of other guys. Uh, Joe Schmidt, obviously, is right there as a possible caretaker. Other international experience. Uh, I know Warren Gatlin didn't do amazingly well when he got to the Chiefs um, that first season, but if you want a guy with a safe pair of hands, which they seem to enjoy, um, then, you know, there's another guy. You've got two tried and tested um, international coaches on New Zealand rugby's books. So it's not like they're going to be going for a person who isn't world class, who isn't a, a proven operator as a coach at test level if they don't get Scott Robertson. So in the short term, it's not the end of the world. It's just not as inspirational, is it? It's not that same refresh. Um, I, I think probably Joe Schmidt seems like the most likely candidate. But, yeah, it's, I, I'm with Jim. No, it just has to happen. There's only one option. There's really only one option. Joe Schmidt's got um, family issues that means that he doesn't really want to travel. So I don't think he's, he's even an option for them. Warren Gatlin, I think, would be a backward step. They just have to move forward. They have to appoint the guy who's younger, more innovative, more in touch with the players uh, and, and get this breath of fresh air through this, through this outfit. There's time. Rathi Erasmus took over in 2018 as Springbok coach and they won the World Cup the next year. There is time. But they can't dilly-dally around. They've got to get in there and make a change. Uh, and, and I think the only change that they can make is Scott Robertson and they just have to convince them to do the job. And the way you do that, Smithy, is by saying, look, you're not going to be judged purely on next year's World Cup. We know that you're up against it there. We'll give you a much longer-term contract, perhaps even through to the, to the World Cup after that. And, and let's get the ship turned around. Mm. OK, that's assuming we've got the, the player depth and the, the player power and the, the right kind of body shapes to, to move the big boys around, because in the last two series, we certainly uh, appear not to have had that. Anyway... Uh, can we just uh, change uh, tack? Uh, Ross Carl yesterday, uh, Laura McGoldrick, uh, live on Sky, put together a, a wonderful um, hour-long interview with Ross Taylor with some interesting revelations coming out of it. We knew about the captaincy, the, the fact that uh, there was issues around that, but uh, didn't know anything about casual racism, or racism, I should say, in the, the Black Caps dressing room. Yeah, that was quite a revelation, wasn't it? And Ross was relatively understated in the way he put it over, but obviously it's had an effect on him along the way. Um, yeah, disturbing to hear. Um, it was good to see New Zealand cricket coming out with a statement yesterday saying that they bore racism, but, um, you know, on a day-by-day basis, I think they're going to have to pull this team in now because there's going to be a lot of questions. There's going to be people asking who and why. And people are going to be asked about that. So this team's going to have to get together and have a good discussion, um, come up with a set of ethics and values, make that set of ethics and values public so people can see what they're about and what they're trying to achieve and then deliver on that to make sure that other players coming in, like Ross, don't have to experience the same thing. Yeah, I know the guy. I know him very well. Never, ever in the 15 years or so that he's been around uh, top-level cricket 
and I've known him, has he ever said anything to me about that, uh, Jim Kay? So holding back on it, um, and not an easy thing to do, I, I would guess. Uh, he's, he's termed it like casual racism, but is, I mean, racism's racism, I, I would imagine. Yeah, totally. Um, totally it is. And, and, you know, it's not surprising in, in some ways that that's what he's experienced because I think there's an undercurrent of that within New Zealand society and sport just reflects New Zealand society. So um, so that that's not surprising. But what, what's unedifying out of the whole thing, and you've sort of been tied up in this a little bit, Smithy, in a tangential way, is the untidy and sort of petty nature of the relationship between Ross Taylor, Mike Hesson, David White, uh, Brendan McCullum, all of that sort of stuff. And am I right that there's a bit in the book about you, know, you guys wanted to make him, you being on the judging panel, the, the player of the year, and David White stepped in and vetoed it? I mean, if that's correct, that's petty and pathetic at its worst, sort of, at, 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 its, at its most pathetic, really. I mean, is, is, that, is that accurate? Is that what happened? I'll tell you, I can tell you what happened. We were asked to review uh, the decision. Um, it was not David White who, who came to us personally. Um, uh, I've got a feeling back there, uh, and I don't want to name a name because I'm not sure because it was a crossover period in between two administrators, so uh, I don't want to get the right one. But it was back a bit, um, and uh, they simply came to us and said, look, uh, are you sure about this? Do you want to review the decision? Do you want to go back over your numbers and, and uh, you know, mix them up again? Uh, because we believe it should be someone else. And uh, Don Neely basically, uh, on a quick call from us, said, look, no, this is, uh, you've asked us to make a call. You've, you've put faith in us as judges, um, and this is our call, and uh, we believe that uh, Ross Taylor should be the winner. Um, and and uh, in the end, uh, that was that. So, uh, yeah, it, it happened. It, ha- it happened, Jim, but um, I, 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 I would not say that David White was uh, involved with it as such. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, but, but it my happen. point is yeah, valid, it, isn't it? It's it's a book that, in parts, reflects on what was a pretty sloppy, shabby. I don't know what the right word is, but an unfortunate part of New Zealand cricket's history, isn't it? Mm, it is. It is, and um, it's pretty good. You know, I'm not a big reader of books, but I read a hell of a chunk of it yesterday. Because I just couldn't put it down, you know. Um, and a lot of people say that, but that's a fact. Um, okay, let's. Um, you know, the, I, I always heard uh, when I was uh, within the four walls of Sky, Ross Carl, that it's always a good weekend at Sky when the All Blacks or the Blues win, and the Warriors win as well. Can we be? Can we? Can we dare to dream this weekend, Ross? <laughs> oh, on a four-match losing streak, um, it, it, dreaming is definitely what you'll be doing. Um, but looking at the doggies and how they performed last week against the Cowboys who are up at the top of the table, um, they've certainly got better form at home. This Warriors side simply needs to save some face, doesn't it? Um, but they've lost another player this week, Katoa. You know, he's a really good young player um, to go to. And no one, the Storms picked him up, so you know he's good. Um, you know, it's 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 just another kind of slow end to this season. And I was trying to look at the stats, Smithy, before I came on air, because I was thinking, is this part of the course, what's happening with the Warriors right now? And they've won 25% of their games. Over history, they've won 43. So this is actually a worse season than they normally have. They need to pick it up over the next few weeks. They certainly do. Uh, OK, fellas, um, I'll give you an opportunity to give us a scoreline, a, a, a scoreline that you believe will happen, not what you will hope will happen at uh, Alice Park. Start OK. Um, so 
So the Springboks don't seem to give the All Blacks a, a hiding, not in the way that the All Blacks give the Springboks a hiding. Because if you look at last week's movie, that was a comprehensive win by South Africa, but actually the scoreboard didn't reflect that. So I'm going to go something like, oh, I hope I'm wrong, 18-14 to the box. I, I hate picking a, another team to beat the All Blacks, but I think it'll be something like 18-14. Okay, eighteen fourteen says Jim K. And Jim K's before we let you go, break down this week. Uh, what are you lining up? Uh, are you flexible in terms of the result, etc.? Uh, what have What have you got? Yeah, we are, but for us? we are, but flexible. We, we've got a really nice chat. Jeff Wilson sat down with Jason Ryan, uh, and so we we've got that. Uh, we've also got Brian Habana and Ma Nonu will join uh, Goldie after the game uh, for a bit of a chat about the Test match. Um, and then if they do lose, and if we do think that there's going to be a coaching change, well, look out, we'll find something else to pop in there as well. Okay, Ross, um, for you, the scoreline? I think Jim's Jim's about right. I can imagine it being, you know, 20 to 15 to the spring box or something along those lines. They'll accumulate some points. The All Blacks might score a couple of tries, but that'll that'll be about it. But probably just as importantly, um, Smitty, uh, 25-20 to County's Monaco over Hawks Bay in the Rampton Shield Challenge tonight. Yeah, good on you. Okay, um, right, you're on. You're on, Ross Carl. You are on. And, uh, gee, you watch tonight, and just in case, just in case you get up, if they get up, I'll give you a, a, an individual mention. And we're not supposed to do that on Sky, but I'll be so pissed off I just will. Okay, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> if they don't, if they don't and Hawks Bay hold on to it, I, I won't even recognise you. There you go. How's that? <laughs> I just see 2013 <laughs> happening all over again, Smitty. I've just got it in my mind. <laughs> 2013. $5.75 at the TAB versus $1.10 for the magpie. So, uh, yeah, put your money in, put your money where your mouth is, Roscoe. <laughs> he won't be. Don't you worry, Jim. He won't be. Hey, thanks, fellas. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the chat. Uh, we'll have another panel uh, around the same time on Monday morning, and it'll be about rugby. I can promise you that. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. Well, they're running around at Woodville today, I understand. Uh, Tauranga and Rickerton uh, over the weekend. $100,000 worth of the Grand National Steeplechase and only five horses uh, entered in the race. Can't believe that. hundred grand up for grabs and the race been going since 1875, Louis. Hi, Smithy. Yeah, Woodville, heavy, very, very heavy version of Woodville as well today. And then tomorrow, you're right. How about how we tipped out the uh, the the winner of the hurdle, Happy Star? Picked it like a dirty one, didn't we? Oh God, you got that all right. I didn't, I didn't actually back it, but you got it. Well, I'll, so. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'm pretty sure we can back um, West Coast at a dollar sixty-five as well. Look, I understand why it's so short. Although the only thing you'd be wary of is Kevin Myers' team is so locked in. And they are truly running through brick walls at the moment. So Carnaby could be uh, something at a bit nicer odds, $4.20 for you. But West mm-hmm. Coast deserves the short favouritism, Smithy. Look, there's deep fields across the day at Rickerton Park. It will be very testing underfoot. I've tipped out FaceTime in the last, coming down from the north. Two good runs in the south with Lisa Allpress for Terry Ray. And then, of course, across the ditch, the PB Lawrence Stakes, Elephant. Returns for Elephant Redeem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Browns, very excited. And Mr. Brightside, the Doncaster winner, the ex Kiwi as well. So, plenty of racing either side to uh, fill your boots with. And we're only a couple of weeks out from Foxbridge Plate Day, Smithy. So, it is heating up.
It's getting close. Uh, there's a pint with your name on it at the Paddington, Louis. So we'll let you go. We'll be back very shortly. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, what a game of basketball last night. Uh, Tuatara coming back from the dead to advance through to the weekend's action and uh, courtside will be Logan Swinkles. He was there last night uh, calling that magnificent comeback. Um, and we've got more to come tonight, mate. And you've got tickets to give away. Yeah, we do. Just before we get to that, that was unreal, Smithy. I was sitting right there uh, next to the Taranaki Airs bench when Rob Lowe did that step back three to tie. It was just unbelievable. Just crazy scenes there at Event Finder Stadium. Uh, of course, the Otago Nuggets, SCNZ Otago Nuggets, go up against the Nelson Giants tonight. Last time they met the Nelson Giants won 89-78. And of course, uh, they're led by the coach of the year, Mike Fitchett. So it'll be interesting to see how things go there as far as the tickets uh, giveaway go, Smithy, text double eight double three. As long as you're in Auckland or can get to Auckland tonight, the game starts at seven thirty p.m. at Event Finder Stadium. Uh, there on the North Shore, two courtside tickets to give away there. All you have to do is give us your name and you can collect those tickets at the window. Uh, so just give us your tip. Who do you think is going to win? And uh, we'll pick a winner for the end of the show. Well, you pick a winner. Can you pick a winner now for this comp? Who's going to win this sales NBL? Well, I mean, the the, the Tuatara knocked off the top seeds. The Taraki Airs played such exciting, thrilling, highlight reel basketball, and they're gone. So anyone can win in playoff basketball, Smithy. Okay, look forward to that. Uh, of course, uh, here on SCNZ, uh, you can hear it play by play. Let's get across to Pip Morris uh, at the TAB. Uh, of course, we're on behalf of the TAB today. Pip, uh, Addington and Palmerston North, the two Greyhound meetings, and sports betting. Sports betting to burn over the weekend. Yeah, there certainly is. Smithy, good morning to you. And, of course, uh, today, too, we've got the NBL, and there's been a nice play, too, on the Giants. backs with 57% of the bets on them head-to-head at 220. We've got a nice promotion around that as well, the South NBA bonus bucket. If you place a $10 or more bet, on an NBL Finals game, we'll give you $10 in bonus bets to use on the NBL Grand Final. So a nice little incentive there, Smithy. Of course, the All Blacks game again on Sunday. I have to say it's still one-way traffic as far as the Kiwis wanting to back South Africa at the moment. Also a bet on them earlier today, around $900 on them at 13 plus, Smithy, at $3.40. So someone willing to take that and a couple of other plays too 2.1k on Hawks Bay the match result at 110 and there's been 2,000 on North Harbour to cover the 13 and a half at a dollar 87 and of course we've got the Warriors playing the Bulldogs this evening and it's pretty even betting to be fair Smithy as far as that goes Bulldogs favourites and the Warriors still holding around that 220 in the market. Hey Pip have you got a greyhound for us over the weekend to look at? Oh, I haven't, to be honest, Smithy. I was so enamoured with Addington yesterday. I haven't really had a look at the field, to be to be frank. I've got the weekend off. <laughs> OK, well, um, I've got to interview uh, Justin Evans uh, in the next hour as well. Any tips for how to, uh, to um, interview a fellow commentator? Oh, yeah, he'll talk gear off, that's for sure, Justin. He has to talk about his dog. He races a dog, Astro, Smithy, and he's got a Facebook page as well. He's not flying at the moment, and he's a massive Storm fan, so there's a couple of points. He'll be wrapped with the result last night. Okay, he will, actually. The Storm. The Storm. 
whitewashing the, the Panthers. What's going on there, Pip? Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll be back very shortly to talk Ranfurly Shield Rugby and get inside the Challengers Camp, Counties Manukau. Here's Araha. It's 11 o'clock. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, rugby now in the Ranfurly Shield is uh, up for grabs, of course, uh, in this round of the NPC, and it is Counties Monaco who have the, the challenge, McLean Park, uh, and uh, looking forward to coming down here, I'm sure. They've won it in the past. They have uh, a new head coach in uh, Rion Graham who uh, joins us on the line now. Rion, good morning to you. Good afternoon. Tell us uh, a little bit about uh, Rion Graham and, and your background. You've been involved with Counties Rugby for quite some time. This is your first year as head coach. Yeah, yeah, it is. I've, I've, I've yeah, born and um in the area. Coached, coached club footy for a long time. Coached all the, um, well, most of the grades through the, through the seven, uh, and um, the B's and the twenties and the development teams. And so, um, yeah, been been in the union for a long time. So it's, um, it's, it's part of the blood, I guess. Like Auckland and North Harbour, last year hardly even existed for Counties Monaco. So I guess there's a, a real determination, a real a determination, a real hunger to get stuck into this season. And you started pretty well. Yeah, it was a good, really good start. I mean, we we had a couple of um, couple of objectives for that first game, and, and um, we achieved them. They weren't uh, weren't necessarily results based. It was just about um, getting out there in front of our home fans and, and creating a bit of pride. And um, we certainly managed to do that, so that was a good, uh, good way to tip that box. Must have been uh, thrilling. I saw the reaction of the players, um, and I would imagine within uh, the coaching structure that you've got there, um, because you went right at the end, you hung hung tough right at the end, came back quite nicely. So I, I guess in a way you showed some character that uh, was revealed. Yeah, something we've been working really hard on. So um, the first. You know, a couple of months, we've just been working really hard on on getting the, the boys connected and and wanting to play for each other, and and uh, we want to be a team that just doesn't go away. So um, to do that in the first game was was um, really pleasing, and uh, they, they have connected really quickly. So um, it's it's pretty special so far to be part of, but um, you know, it's only one game, and we've got a long way to go, and we're also looking at bigger picture for years to come as well. So it's something we want to. We want to try to um, create and use that first game as a springboard. Okay, can we look at a little bit more in depth uh, the, the squad you have available to you uh, this year, Rion? And uh, how many players uh, are new to um, the union, and how many players uh, were you basically able to retain from Tyler Via's squad? So we had we had about twelve guys that were from um, from from Thai squad. Probably about 14 guys from, from Thai squad last year, um, which was a, a good basis. Um, and, and a few of those boys that had been around for a couple of years. So um, really good that they, they've been playing together. Um, a, a few of them were involved in the Moana Pacifica uh, team this year. So um, games together, um, again, really important. Um, then the, the rest of the boys, um, we haven't got anybody from outside the union. They've all come from within inside the union, either through our academy system or our club rugby system. So um, it, was, it was a goal. It was a goal of mine when I applied for the job was to try to uh, have 
largely the squad made up of, of local players and we've managed to get 100%. Um, we have got a couple of boys that have, have been away overseas and have returned back to, to counties, uh, good counties boys, but um, yeah, it's 100% local team and, and I think um, that's how we're going to you know, get a lot of support. What, what's your philosophy there, uh, Riona? Is, uh, is it a, a culture-based philosophy? Um, you know, a, lo- a lot of guys, uh, as you say, from the county's Manukau area, which has always been a very proud union as such uh, over the years, been through its ups and downs like most unions. So what is your philosophy going and your expectations going into this season? Part of it, part of it is driven by um, by what I've seen in the past in terms of being, um, uh, you know, working with players that uh, may not have got an opportunity at that next level at the NPC level. So, um, having coached the twenties and development teams, sevens teams in the past, I've seen some quality players, and they they for for you know different reasons may miss out on on the next level. And I've always thought that um, that we should be actually giving them a crack and, and, and trying to develop that a bit more. Um, so part of the philosophy is based around that. Um, uh, but really the sort of main driver of it is that I, I really believe that if we uh, can provide genuine pathways for, for local players, um, we can build it and, and um, build a more sustainable model that uh, that can carry on for years to come. And the support follows that. Um mm. Ironically, playing against Hawks Bay this weekend, I've got a, a good mate of mine, Mark Ositz, was was at the forefront of, of doing something very similar down in the Bay, and I had some good chats with him before I went for the job uh, in terms of, of sticking true to that model and and um, and uh, generating you know players from the local system through academies and, and schools and, and, and club rugby. Um, so it's quite tough to stick to because you you, you have Genuine quality players coming from all sorts of places that are that, that are possibly you know um, better players um, that come and go, but uh, we stick to the local um, the local boys and it provides that pathway and provides a genuine opportunity, so keeps keeps players in the region as well. Leaders, T- tell us about your leaders within the squad. Uh, I mean, Sakopi Kepu, um, what a player to, to have floating around the scene. Um, who are your other leaders, your on-field leaders? So, re- really lucky, as I said, to have a couple of guys back that have been overseas in, in, in professional environments. So, Sean Reedy uh, was with Ulster for a number of years and played a couple of test matches for Ireland. Um, he, he's, he's, um, he's a real leader on, on the park. Uh, and off the field, um, and Asi Tuala was with the uh, Northampton Saints for a number of years, and and um, he's been he's been massive for our our young boys, especially our young outside backs, uh, and, and our attack sort of group. Uh, and then what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop um, a, a new sort of a new sort of line of leaders, if you like, um, from our younger guys. So Cam Roygaard, Riley Hohepa, um, uh, and then. Uh, Jonathan Tomatini has been around for a wee while and, and probably not involved in leadership groups in the past but um, but shows those qualities um, and then we've also got Sam Slade who, um, who had a really good year with Moana Pacifica this year and um, he's, he's come back from his Samoa campaign and has been helping to drive the uh, drive the line out and forward so uh, we've got a bit of a mixture there and, 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 the, and the, the aim is 
to develop the, our leadership group uh, and then keep that sort of rotating as we go uh, through the year. In terms of the, the format, you, do you like the look of the format for, for this season's NPC round? Oh, I'd give everybody a crack. So it's fantastic. I, I reckon, uh, I, yeah, I reckon it's, it's great. Uh, everybody has a crack at it. You look at um, look at what Taranaki did last year, um, you know, and um, you know if they had that format, who knows what, what uh, who would have taken out the big the big prize? So yeah, I, I, I like it, and the boys are the boys are excited by it as well. In terms of uh, the county's rugby union as such, if I, if you look back down uh, the grades uh, through the Colts levels back to school rugby. Is it in good heart? I mean, we hear stories where the game is battling for numbers in some unions. How's counties looking? Um, yeah, look, hey, hey, our, our numbers, are, our numbers in, in a lot of areas are, are holding up better than some unions. So we, we we're doing really well in a couple of areas, um, but um, there's, there's, there are there are some um, there are some some sort of issues that we need to iron out. Our secondary school comp. Could be could be a lot better, um, uh, a bit stronger. We've got a couple of secondary schools that are that are playing in other areas, so that needs that needs um, uh, tweaking and looking at uh, to strengthen. But uh, we're we're hoping that what we're trying to do um, within the Steelers environment and through the academy with Chad Shepherd is to is to um, get people's thinking a little bit different, so that counties can be the place to stay. And we can be the club of choice, um, so that in turn will help strengthen the the club game and the and the school game and uh, the juniors, etc. So our junior space is in a really good, um, uh, really good place. We've got some some good strong junior clubs with lots of numbers. Um, so future, if we can maintain those systems, um, we won't be too bad. But definitely work to do. Okay, well, I'll tell you a good way to engender interest uh, in uh, rugby within the county's Monaco area is to take the shield back to them this weekend. Uh, so uh, let's uh, talk a, a bit more game specific about this uh, this particular challenger. What about the history of the Ranfurly Shield? Uh, you've had it uh, back in two thousand and fourteen off Hawks Bay, lost it back to them a year later. Um, so you've had a history of coming to McLean Park and winning. What have you talked about with the group about the the history of the shield and the significance of the Ranfurly Shield? We we, we haven't touched on a, 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 a massive amount. We um, we've got some young guys that that um, that are great in terms of they don't seem to get rattled by big occasions or they're just taking everything in their stride and 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 uh, doing their absolute best and and they're not really phased by it. By the occasion, so we, so we're taking the approach of of let them continue with that mindset. Um, we, we have spoken about um, about the, the the fact that you don't always get a challenge. You know, some people go through their whole careers without a challenge, and we've got um, Kips, our um, our skipper. He's, he's been around a long time, played a lot of rugby, and, and this is his first Ramfilly Shield challenge, um, and and many of them as well. So. You get some great players that, that never even get a crack at it, let alone win it. Mm. So we have talked about that, and, um, and 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 but but the focus has been on focus has been on us and and um, wanting to walk away knowing that we've given it everything. So um, that's the that's the approach, and um, and you know rugby's a funny old game, and 
see what happens. Bouncing back off uh, a fantastic one, first up one over Otago. So uh, what from that point onwards uh, are you focusing on this week in terms of your preparation? Um, Hawks Bay are a great attacking they, they They create line breaks from everywhere. Um, they're a skinful pack. Um, you know, when you've been together for a number of years, that, and that, that shows in the way they play, um, they understand each other, and, and um, so we're we're going to have to be really on, on our game defensively. Um, we're going to have to work really hard, and especially when when those line breaks happen. And um, so that's that's been a focus point. And then just just little tweaks on on what we've been doing, um, trying to trying to nail our game down. And um, and as I say, we'll we'll get to a point in the game where. Um, We'll see. We'll see where things are sitting, and we'll either throw the kitchen sink at it and um, see um, see what unfolds. One of these strengths, uh, of course, over the years has been their their line out drive. Uh, are you confident you can counter that? Um, Puliati Manu, our our, um, our forward coach, our, well, our set piece coach, has been working pretty hard with the boys. So um, um, yeah, he'll, he'll be disappointed if we can't. Um, it's something, um, something that uh, you know we know they we know they bring. First thing is we try and avoid them being in those positions to, mm. to have a crack at it. Um, so yeah, well, um, uh, it's something that we we know they they bring, and, and the boys have boys have been working on it. So um, yeah, it's uh, um, it's a real strength, that's for sure, but. Yeah, I'm confident the boys have, have um, got something up their sleeve. That's cool. Um, and outside of that, uh, win, lose or draw um, with the Shield Challenge. Uh, Rion, I, I just wonder, have you set yourself some goals, some aspirations for this season in terms of the overall Bunnings NPC? Yeah, the, the overall success for us um, success for us looks like um, um, creating pride um, for our supporters, creating pride in our users. Um, that that's that's our number one driver this year. Uh, if we we're looking at results based, we want to uh, we want to get back to where Counties was last time they had the shield, ironically, which was uh, in that top four position, and um, and that's where when they when they had the had the shield, they got up into that top four with the teams the, the couple of years um, after that. And that's where we want to get to. So, how quickly can we get there? We um, we've got to you know work hard and and um, and try and do it quickly. But um, ultimately, if we can create the pride in, in what we're doing, um, the results the results will will start to come our way. So that's our main that's our main focus. So, um, and, and the the group of guys has been fantastic. With a great great uh, group of humans. They. Um, they're getting on with each other really well, and they love the environment, and, and they've been um, they've been awesome in helping it grow as well. Sounds good, Rion. Um, I wish you all the best um, uh, tomorrow night. You know, I'm a Bay guy, but uh, I look forward to a hell of a, a game of rugby. I, I've got to say, um, I think the prospects for it are fantastic, and uh, I think if you just, as you say, uh, just enjoy the process, enjoy the occasion, and, and play with confidence, I think you're a big chance. Been great chatting and getting to know you. Thank you, thank you very much for your time, mate. Thanks, Willie. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Well, this time every Friday we like to delve a little bit into the greyhound racing industry and catch up with uh, personalities. We've been doing it now for, uh, what, the best uh, part of about four or five months actually. Met some interesting people and uh, won't be an exception this morning either because we're talking to one Justin Evans. And Justin Evans, of course, is a racing commentator in his own right. Uh, Justin, good morning to you. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Great to uh, be with you. Thanks uh, for having me on and morning to all the listeners. Thanks for the chat. Hey, no problem. Hey, you've had a career in um, broadcasting a wee bit. Uh, as a pre- started as a presenter on commercial radio with your wife. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. He's been googling or something. I, I have had um, a lifetime behind uh, the mic. Uh, it's a bit of a funny old story. Uh, I started with a uh, a childhood dream to do what I'm doing now. So I've sort of come full circle uh, to be a race commentator. So I sort of started uh, calling after a childhood dream uh, to get uh, into the racing and uh, I did that sort of in my teenage years but yeah uh, I sort of took a, a left turn really and an opportunity came up to um, head into commercial uh, music radio uh, and um, so I sort of did that and um, didn't look back really it just sort of took on a life of its own so I, I was uh, around the Manawatu I'm, I'm a CD lad so predominantly around my uh, hometown of Manawatu I was on a radio station a very successful station of Palmy North called 2XS which ended up being Maury mm-hmm. Fam and so I was on there for a number of years including uh, a few other stints and yes I did actually meet my um, now wife uh, who was working at the station and uh, we ended up doing a breakfast show uh, for a couple of years in uh, Tauranga actually so yeah had a good 15 16 years uh, doing the commercial uh, music um, uh, thing before sort of um, getting back and uh, and following the uh, the initial dream which I've been doing for the last uh, 3 or 4 years uh, calling the races well, your uh, dream of uh, race day calling it started uh, quite a long way back, didn't it? With, with what, with T. Lee back in, in Gisborne or somewhere? Yeah, <laughs> you've uh, you've delved deep here. My first call, I, my first uh, race call was at Gisborne many years ago. Look, it's uh, as I said, it was a real childhood dream of mine. So I was that kid. I often tell the story while all the other kids were out there uh, with the cricket bat and uh, throwing around the uh, rugby ball. I was. Um, I was the one huddled away in my uh, bedroom practicing to be a race caller from as young as I can remember, actually. I was a, a bit of a weird child. I hung out for Christmas Day simply to get the racing annual as the Christmas present and uh, doing all the form for Boxing Day. So, look, I was mad on racing, wanted to be a caller. And actually, my very first uh, introduction, I actually sent a letter to uh, the then uh, race caller in the uh, Manawatu, whose name was uh, Alan Bright. And um, so I actually sent a letter to him when I was eight, um, telling him of my uh, of my dream and that I wanted to be a race caller. And I got to spend the day with uh, Alan Bright up in the up in the box at Awapuni. But uh, it was yeah, it was really when Tony sort of burst onto the scene that um, gee, he he just excited me so much. He was a big inspiration. I got to meet Tony, and uh, he became a real mentor of mine. And sort of in my teenage years, I um, sort of cut my teeth. Uh, uh, doing a lot of the trials and being a bit of an understudy to Tony, really, for a number of years and uh, developed a really good uh, friendship. And even uh, he was probably a bit of a father figure for many years, was, uh, was Tony. So, um, yeah, he was a real mentor of mine and um, sort of uh, came up under him. But as I say, uh, I sort of uh, took the sidestep into commercial music radio. He was out of racing for a number of years, always followed it. But, yeah, a few years ago, I thought uh, there was a bit of unfinished business there. I never really got going the first time around, and uh, I thought I'd chase it again and be uh, lucky enough to uh, get the opportunity. It's, uh, it's all about the opportunity in this game, right moment, right time. And I uh, got an opportunity a few years ago and uh, have uh, chased that and uh, now flying along in the deep south. 
Well, your next uh, right time is uh, this afternoon, in fact, uh, Justin. You're calling the Addington Greyhounds, but you're doing it from a distance. Yeah, look, uh, these days it's uh, it's, it's uh, a funny old time, actually, uh, Smithy. In the last couple of years, the landscape of race calling, uh, really since uh, sort of COVID struck, uh, uh, remote calling has been uh, really part of what we do these days. We uh, either find ourselves on track. I've been uh, finding myself uh, hopping on uh, on a plane many times over the last few months, calling God knows uh, where. I'm, I think I'm one of the uh, few callers that hasn't been struck down by COVID, so um, often been filling in. Uh, I think for a week or two there, I was calling Hara Gallops and Auckland Dogs and Taraba Gallops. But yeah, uh, calling Addington today, filling in. Uh, but from the remote setup from uh, what is now home uh, for me in Dunedin. So, yeah, doing it from the Dunedin studio. But um, I was at Wyndham yesterday, many hours on the road. But, uh, yeah, these days we do it the uh, remote uh, remote setup if need be, if logistics uh, mean we can't get to the track. So, look, I think for the Greyhounds, uh, there's not too much uh, difference for the uh, for the listener or the uh, viewer and pretty good setup here. So, uh, look, it doesn't affect us too much from the calling um, point of view anyway. Well, you're also an owner now, of course, because uh, you've got a dog called Astro uh, with trainer Madison Ham- Madison Hamilton, and you've had a lot of fun out of it already. Yes, uh, well, uh, uh, fun. We're hoping to get a little bit of fun him on the actual racetrack. Anybody who follows Astro, you can go along to Facebook. He's had a Facebook page for the uh, time we picked him up as a puppy. It's been a bit of a story. We got Astro. We, we call him Astro. His race name is Star Sailor. Um, look, we, we got him, my wife and I are big dog lovers, we've got a border collie at home and um, she's getting uh, older and we thought, you know, why, why not get a greyhound uh, to um, maybe uh, replace her or join her on the couch at some stage and have a bit of fun with him on the track. So, look, my wife picked him from a litter of 10 Smithy, um, mm-hmm. basically when he was two months old. Um, I think he's one of only two or three from the litter that hasn't won a race yet. He's very, it's very early days. He's only had the two starts, but um, he's a bit of a slow burn. He's, he's slow, slow all round, actually, as Astro. Star Sailor, as I say, he's had two starts. Uh, he's run seventh of eight both times, but um, he's not showing a whole lot, but we are just hoping he's uh, going to be one of those dogs that just takes a little bit of time to come to it. He's actually on the sideline at the moment with a few niggles, but... Look, early days, but we're optimistic that you might pick up the pace at some stage and uh, come to it. We'd love to, um, we'd love to get a win. Although we'd take a top three or four at this stage, the way he's going. But uh, hopefully, we'll see Star Sailor back, and hopefully, he um, he improves with a bit of maturity, as some of us uh, tend to do in life. You're in a unique part of it because you call uh, trotting, you call thoroughbreds, you call greyhound racing. What's uh, what, what about um, an industry where you call a race which might last 17 to 18 seconds and one, one that can last three minutes? How, how do you do that? Yeah, yeah, look, it keeps you on your toes. Um, look, I enjoy the variety. I've always been a fan of all three codes. And look, Greyhounds in particular, when I was a, a young fella, I often tell the story, I was just in sport. I was just, uh, the first time I saw Greyhound racing as a, as a dog fan anyway, I don't think I'd sort of seen Greyhound racing for some time, I was introduced to the horses first heading along to the races uh, with the family. When I first uh, went along to the uh, Palmerston North uh, track and saw these greyhounds whooping around the track, it was it was like Disneyland for me. And I was lucky enough growing up in Palmerston North. Back in those days, of course, there was a greyhound track um, uh, close by. We had Palmerston North, we had Wanganui, which was a grass track back then. We had Masterton, which was just uh, a brilliant track. You basically stood on top of them and... Back in those days before TV, you really thought uh, you were there um, 
really part of something back then. So I was a big fan of Greyhound uh, racing. Um, so as I say, I'm a fan of all three codes in terms of the calling. Yeah, look, it's a little different, Smithy. There's no doubt about that. I, you, you don't tend to get a great chance to express yourself too much uh, with the Greyhounds. It's more about uh, just spitting them out, hopefully uh, getting all the dogs out and nailing the finish, and that's that. So you certainly get a lot more time with the horses uh, to... Um, uh, to express yourself, uh, but look, I enjoy all three codes. They all uh, are slightly different, but the variety is good. I, I often get asked if I've got a preference. Uh, probably lean slightly towards the thoroughbreds. I really cut my teeth on the thoroughbreds growing up, so if I had to pick uh, one of the three, it would be the thoroughbreds, but um, like I say, the variety is good, and uh, I uh, I enjoy all, all three codes, but from a pure uh, sport point of view, Greyhounds has uh, has always been fascinating to me, and the puzzle of trying to work it out um, uh, in terms of doing the form. So, yeah, I'm happy. I'm like I always say to the bosses, I'm happy to lob up uh, wherever and any trade at any track. Justin Evans, been great uh, catching up with you. I love to hear uh, your enthusiasm for the game, um, and I know you've already had a great start to the weekend because your Melbourne Storm got up and beat the Panthers overnight. So <laughs> it can't. Hey, mate, it can't get much better. And I, I, I've got information. You know why? Because people have been texting in. You've got relations around the country. In fact, uh, you're someone, uh, you must be someone's uh, nephew because they've, they've come in with a text to give me all this information, to be fair. Have a great weekend, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a few relatives are a fan of yours, no doubt about that. And just get the storm in. I am a storm tragic. So um, it was good waking up this morning uh, getting one over the Panthers, albeit a depleted Panthers, but we'll take it. Hopefully the, um, the storm can go all the way. Good on you, Justin. Have a great weekend, mate. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Time for the news. Here's Ottawa. Adam Smith really is top class at his job. And such is the power of Stumped by Smithy. That Smithy doesn't even need to push for calls and the boards light up. We've got three queued up, ready to go, ready to pad up and grab their bats and get into the crease. Smithy, I know you think we're playing for a $100 TAB bonus bet, but uh, we, uh, we've got a little surprise for you. We're actually going to go for 150 because we didn't play yesterday. Wow, 150 bucks. My God, I might ring myself up. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it sure is. It sure is. Uh, first up at the crease, we have John from Christchurch. Come in, mate. G'day, pal. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Oh, One fi- you're playing for 150 today, my friend. Brilliant, mate. Should be good. Let's give it a good crack, eh? All right. Well, the t- Okay. What are they today? Come on, make it worthy. Yeah, good <laughs> luck, John. All right, the topics today, guys. The Premier League, the Commonwealth Games, and golf. Take your pick. Let's go to the Com Games, eh? All righty. These questions come courtesy uh, of our great friend Ricardo Ball, who looked after the show very valiantly over the last two days while I've been doing the basketball. First question, which nation... Bet both New Zealand and Australia in the netball. Uh, Jamaica. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, oh. right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah. You're right there, Smithy. <laughs> yeah, a little bit upset about that because I knew that one. But what a great result for netball it was to see, especially to see well, Jamaica knock over the Aussies. It was, it was great, John. Actually, it was one of my highlights. Love yeah, it. it was. Actually, it was really good. The whole thing was actually it was sort of awesome. Makes you proud, Kiwi, eh? The way everything just <laughs> panned out for us and just the sport around general around the world. It was awesome. Yeah, yep. cool. Absolutely right. Long may it stay. Long may it stay too, John. Uh, okay, question two. 
Yeah, question two. This one goes to the Kiwis. How many medals did Lewis Klebert win at the Birmingham Games? Uh, two. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, Not two. Smithy, over to you. I think he might have uh, got a sneaky bronze somewhere, so I'm going to say uh, three. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep, you are correct. Lewis Kleber won two golds and a bronze. So hard luck there, John from Christchurch. You are dismissed. You've been stumped back to the pavilion for you. Uh, next to the crease, we have Scott from Wellington. Morning, Logan. How you going? Oh, I'm doing great, mate. You've got one question left. $150 uh, TAB bonus bet on the line. Good luck to you here. Who won the men's sevens gold medal? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. It was not Fiji, Smithy. It was not Fiji. Fiji were beaten in the final by the eventual winners and gold medal winners, South Africa. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. I love the confidence at which you said that. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. South Africa beat Fiji 31 to 7 in that gold medal match. So Smithy, big stumping there, mate. We're going to go up to 200 on Monday. We are. Thanks for taking part, Scott. Um, you had uh, an outside opportunity there, but yeah, uh, we got the bronze, Fiji the silver, and uh, South Africa just too strong all around. Uh, winning the gold. So, yes, so Monday morning, folks, at 11.30, 11.30, we will be asking you to call up for $200. Yes, $200. Wait, just see if we can get it up to three. $200. $200 a lot of money. It's a lot of hay. Um, so, it is now 11.40 here on SENZ. And when we come back, uh, I think we might uh, do a little bit of trotting, shall we? A little bit of trotting and pacing with Greg O'Connor. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's Friday and, uh, of course, at this time we always catch up uh, with uh, a harness racing personality and this morning I'm pleased to say we're talking to Gregory O'Connor about uh, trotting over the weekend and pacing, of course, and it's a South Island focus with Addington tonight, Ashburton, Greg, on Sunday. Yeah, that's right, Smithy. Uh, very good morning to you and your listeners. Uh, Addington's run of about nine weeks in a row, twice a week, came to an end uh, last Sunday, so a bit of a change, and it's probably a welcome change too, Smithy. Going to Addington's always, well, it's always excited me because uh, it's a great racing venue, but when you've been there for two months in a row, twice a week, something of a change will be good. In saying that, the meeting at Addington tonight is a very, very good one and includes some horses on the road to the IRT New Zealand Cup the second Tuesday of November. Okay, let's uh, find out a little bit more about them because uh, yeah, spring is approaching. You wouldn't know with some of the weather we're having, but it is, Greg. So, uh, and it's quite a long process to get them ready for that two-mile race. Yeah, well, so do you remember, you know, over the decades, the suggestion that if you want to be able to win a New Zealand Cup, starting in the National Handicap and a race called the Lewison uh, back in the 70s and 80s, you, you basically had to be up and going by then to get the fitness into the legs for the horses to be able to perform over the two miles uh, in the great race. Things have changed a wee bit, Smithy. Obviously, the breed is a lot finer and sharper and the, the old colonial bred stayers, the hands down and horses by Holmes Hanover and the like, 
they're sort of gone from the equation. So we've seen in recent years, horses like Copy That last year, self-assured the year before, only having sort of three or four runs leading into the Cup. So things have changed somewhat, but tonight in the Garrard's National Handicap pace, We've got 10 runners going to the post, which is a, a terrific thing to have at this time of year. So it's dominated mm. by the Robert and Jenna Dunn team. Uh, they've been having great success with a horse called Smithy's Terror in recent times. And we've talked about uh, him on the show. He's a, he's a son of Terror to Love who won three New Zealand Cups in a row. Uh, one of only three horses to do that. They've got Steele the Show who finished fourth in the Cup last year. Heisenberg that's run second six times in a row. And Classy Brigade, the old bloke, who's uh, now nine years of age, who's won 20-odd races. So it's dominated by them, Smithy, but I'm going to tip a horse to uh, to beat them, who actually won its last start. His name is Terry. He's also by Terror to Love. He's trained mm. by Regan Todd, a really good young trainer, Smithy, a, a guy doing some terrific things. And he's got this horse... Uh, Going up and early, getting him in, getting him ready for a tilt at the Cup. He had a run in it last year. He's only won half a dozen races, but he's a really nice horse. And I reckon tonight, the 4 or $5 you're going to get on an each-way basis is a terrific bet. Well, Greg, uh, I know we're, we're supposed to be focusing on the harness, and we'll come back to that very shortly. But I, I know um, if you want a point of difference in terms of Addington, you might want to go tomorrow uh, to Rickerton Park, of course. Last day of the Jumping Carnival, the Grand National, $100,000 up for grabs. Unfortunate, only five horses in the race. Yeah, it is, Smithy, and it's unfortunately a sign of the times. And given we don't have any jumpers trained in the South Island anymore, then the signs aren't very good going forward unless something could be resurrected in that regard or NZTR and the Canterbury Jockey Club sit down and say, right, we need to come up with a scheme to bring more northerners down here for uh, what is it, a traditional and a great racing week. So just the five going to the post, and of course West Coast, trained by Mark Olligan, is a dominant favourite for it, and, and so he should be. He won brilliantly last week, the Coral, and I can't really see him beaten this week. Uh, and then, um, you know, they've got the, the, the decent horses that went round in the Winter Club Cup, uh, very flash finished a brave third, um, you know, he'll take mm. some beating in, in race number seven. But it's a great racing week, and we don't want to le- lose these weeks, Smithy, because they're iconic. They bring people to the to the town, to the to the city in this case. And, you know, you take away a Grand National Carnival, and then you, roll, and you don't have a, a New Zealand Cup Carnival with such a big impact. And if they take away the two Guineas races, Smithy, which has been on the cards before then South Island Racing will basically be for horses that can't perform up to the North Island level. And I don't think anyone really wants that. No, no one does. Absolutely no one wants that. No one wants those carnivals to be diminished in any possible way. Uh, Greg, Sunday, of course, they're uh, racing at Ashburton, which means uh, with your show on uh, Sunday, you might be able to uh, enlighten people as to a possible chance. But uh, that's coming up uh, Sunday, what, at 1 o'clock? No, nah, 11 o'clock for us, Smithy. So 11 oh, sorry, 12, 11, that's uh, right. Michael, it's gone yep, earlier. Yep, it's gone right. earlier, that's right. Yep. It has gone earlier, mate, and, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago when uh, the yeah. reason we've gone earlier is because we want the participants to be able to come on and, and give the listeners, um, you know, the best information we possibly can. Yep. So Trot's Talk with Harness Racing New Zealand will be on on Sunday. Michael and I will have plenty to talk about. We'll wrap up that national handicap from Addington tonight. There's also a free-for-all trot there, which has Majestic Man, Oscar Bull, the dominator and the like so um, there is some really good racing there tonight and we'll get you some information Smithy to have a bet on the eight race card at Ashburton gets underway at quarter to one um, you know there's some uh, some horses that are looking to progress through to spring racing so uh, 
better than a diva is probably the best of those goes round in the last uh, Bob Butts team going exceptionally well too so that's race eight number two but uh, always appreciate the opportunity to come on Smithy Thanks very much Greg uh, have a terrific weekend down there a uh, feast of racing in the Canterbury area on both codes in fact all three codes because the greyhounds are there as well uh, Greg O'Connor with us uh, he'll be back uh, on the show <coughs> uh, on Sunday of course uh, and uh, back on the show very shortly will be Sam Hewitt. We'll catch up with him before he takes over at midday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.